bling in a green and gold worldwide on the web at CentexSportsFan.com. This is the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas, the flagship station for Baylor Athletics. With Bears head coach Scott Drew and I don't know about you, I'm pretty nostalgic just thinking about this and the significance of this game. Well, I'm going to wager to say that you come to the Farrell Center several times in January and February on game day. (laughs) Out of habit. The John Moore Show is brought to you by Amanda Cunningham, Coldwell Banker Apex Realtor, by Alliance Bank Central Texas, by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, your friend in the car business. And by Diamore Fine Jewelers, 4541 West Waco Drive, where Waco gets engaged. What about uh, those two games, Michigan State and Duke? Uh, team got better from, from Michigan State to Duke and probably better after Duke moving forward. Yeah, so, so much uh, to learn and gain from uh, playing two quality opponents on the road. I mean, uh, road environments, and uh, that will really help us come Big 12 play. Uh, doesn't help us right now, and you're, you're upset with the loss and the outcome, but um, we are a better team for going through that, and hopefully that pays off in uh, uh, the Big 12 play. And, and again, everything is built and geared toward uh, winning the last game of the year. And, uh, to do that, you have to go through uh, success and adversity. And, uh, uh, the last undefeated team was, what, 76, so that doesn't really happen too often. So uh, it's how you handle uh, and what you learn from losses and wins. Uh, that allow you to be successful at the end of the year. Now, from the Alan Samuel Studios, you're listening to the best of the John Moore Show here on ESPN Central Texas, the flagship station for Baylor Athletics. It's the best of the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas. I'm Aaron Sexton in with you on a gorgeous Friday afternoon. John finishing up his week of vacation for the holidays, and we have a great show lined up for you to end the week of Best Of. We'll hear from Brian Jeffries, the voice of the Arizona Wildcats. John talked with him immediately following Arizona officially joining the Big 12. It'll start in 2024, but them joining the conference happened earlier this year, and John was able to talk with the voice of the Arizona Wildcats right after it happened. He also was able to catch up with former Baylor great Cody Bradford, who's currently a pitcher for the Texas Rangers. He was able to talk with him right after the Rangers won the World Series. We'll hear that conversation. But first, a very special conversation for John. He was able to talk with his longtime broadcast partner on Baylor men's basketball and former Baylor men's basketball standout, Pat Nunley. Pat was elected to the Baylor Sports Hall of Fame this year, and here is that conversation. You're listening to the John Morris Show on ESPN Central Texas. It's time now for a visit with an electee to the Baylor Athletic Hall of Fame. Here's John Morris with one of Baylor's all-time greats. You know, I enjoy these visits each week. We're visiting with all of the electees to this year's class to the Baylor Athletics Hall of Fame and Wall of Honor. I enjoy all of them. Let me say that. But this one just uh, takes on a little different different level. And in studio, Aaron, we are in the presence of a Hall of Famer. Pat Nunley joins us in studio. Welcome to you. Thank you. 
it, it's always a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here in person. Yeah, this I like is that. A cool, it's a cool studio. And um, I've listened to a couple of your other interviews, yeah. Dennis and uh, Quiz. Yeah, yeah. And I'll catch the other ones. But it's it's been fun. It's yeah. just been a lot of fun to be a part of it. Well, congratulations to you. I mean, that just states the obvious. But what was that like? Walter is the guy that has that great job <laughs> with the Bee Association, gets to call those that, that have been selected for the Hall of Fame. I'm envious, you know, of him being the one to, to be able to call you guys. What was that like when he called you and told you the news? Well, it stunned me because I had no earthly idea, never thought about it, didn't even know that it was on the radar. And to get that call on a Saturday afternoon, I'm washing windows out behind my house. And, you know, why is Walter calling me? Yeah. And uh, it took me a little while, frankly. He told me, give it a couple of weeks because we haven't announced it yet. And so I did, and it was good that I had that time because <laughs> I really had to, I had to stew on it yeah. and ponder it and think it through because it's, uh, it's what, John, 45, 46? No, it's 46 years coming up, I guess. Yeah. He was a player in 42. It will be 42 this year. <laughs> so, you know, you don't just – You're not that old, number one, but, but you we, are. We are the same age. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's true. Well, I, I'm so happy for you. I think it's very deserving, you know, your playing career and then uh, stepping right off the floor and working with Frank for all those years. But, so the call from Walter, you said, was out of the blue. Was it like when Frank Fallon calls you and says, uh, Pat, I can't do it, Pat, I'd like for you to work uh, radio alongside me. What was that like? You know, I've tried to do that voice too. You can't do it. We can't do it. There is one Frank Fallon voice. <laughs> That's right. And uh, it belongs to Frank Fallon. It was completely out of the blue. Uh, I'm working. I'm just biding my time before law school starts. Yeah. And one hot Texas summer afternoon, out of the blue, I get a call from Frank Fallon. And he says, we're going to start the radio network. I'm coming over from KWTX. You want to help me? And I said, well, of course, of course. But I had no training for it. <laughs> had rarely spoken in front of a microphone. Uh. And I wondered why in the world he was calling me to do it. And I've told you the story, John. But shortly after that, he told me the job didn't pay anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, okay, this makes sense now. Classic. Now That's I know classic. why he's calling me. Right. Yeah. Who would do this job for free? <laughs> Pat's a good guy. I bet he'd do that. And I don't know where I was on the list. Yeah. But, yeah, I was the one schmuck who would yeah. say, sure, let's do, let's uh, go. Uh, you were and, number one. And I was glad. You were number one. That's great. What about that experience working alongside Frank Fallon? Wasn't that great? It was great. Yeah. It was great because I was, you and I both were in awe of him. Absolutely, yeah. And all of a sudden I'm sitting next to him and we're doing a game together. And I just wanted to listen to him. Mm. And he really did have to coach me up on saying enough but not saying too much. Mm and when to talk and when not to talk. And I had a lot to learn around that. And he was, he was like being coached by your grandfather. Yeah. And that was, that was wonderful. But I, I learned a great deal. But I, I really think I, I had to get past the Mr. Fallon thing, first of all. <laughs> Same. You see, yeah, right? <laughs> right. It was like, please don't call me Mr. Fallon right. on the air. That's right. just not a good sound. <laughs> so I got past that and just learned from him. And it took me a while to feel like we were doing this together rather than I'm sitting next to Frank and yeah. just trying to let him take a drink of water every time he needs one. 
but it, it, it slowly, but slowly worked out and it was so much fun. Very cool. Uh, let's go back to uh, how, how did you get to Baylor originally? Uh, I know Tommy Newman was a big part of you actually coming from Richland High School to Baylor. Yeah, he was highly recruited as a high school coach. Yeah, uh, He was president of the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches, all of that, and was just an unbelievably good high school coach. And so I'm being recruited some. He's being recruited. And I'm thinking, wherever he goes, if he'll take me, I'm going. Is that right? Because yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh-huh. I wanted to play for him yeah. for as long as I possibly could. And Coach Dawson had retired or moved on, and Coach Haller moved up into his spot, took the head coaching job. Coach Haller calls Coach Newman and says, please come down, got a spot for you. And, I, again, I don't know whether it was a package deal, probably not. But Coach Newman had my back and uh, had the just the unbelievably good fortune of playing another four years for him. Mm. Taught me everything I'll ever know about basketball. Tell everybody the backstory. Another um, option for Coach Newman, and you probably would have gone with him, mm-hmm. was Evansville. That's right. Yeah. And Evansville back in those days, John, was a, a really good mid-major. Okay. You know, it was like Butler back in the day. Yeah. And so they had a, a program that was thriving, and Coach Newman's best friend had taken the head job at Evansville and said, Tommy, come up. I want you to, to be on my staff. Tommy said, I got this guy, Nunley. Yeah, we've heard <laughs> of him. Bring him. And so they send Tommy a contract, and he's about to sign it. He says, we're going. And I know nothing about this. I heard <laughs> really? this story for the first time. Cassandra and I were having dinner with Coach Newman, and he told me this story. Never heard it. Wow. Like 10 years ago. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Wow. And so the rest of the story is he said, I, I've got the contract. I'm about to put pen to, to paper to sign it. And he just said, I, you know, Baylor's probably a better deal for me. I'm from Fort Worth. I'll be close to my family. I know Texas. And so he decided not to go there and go on to Baylor, and I went with him. Well, he tells me 10 years ago about that, and the rest of that story is in December, see, that was 1981. In December of 81, the Evansville plane goes down with every player on board, the athletic director, coaching staff, everybody, crashes into the side of a mountain. And Coach Newman told me we were on that plane. I mean, we were on that plane. Yeah. Had I not just decided at the last second to move on to Baylor. And um, it's, as I tell the story now, it gives me chills. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. Well, Baylor's good fortune that you and Coach Newman ended up here. Uh, you were, uh, I love telling the story, and I tell it every chance I get, about the night you and Vinny combined to yes. score 61. Oh, that's, yeah. that's great. You know that story, Aaron, right? It was February of 1979. I have heard. Versus TCU. It was a legendary night. It was a legendary night. Vinny had 50. Pat had 11. A couple of Hall of Famers combined for a magical evening. Exactly. (laughs) You know, that's another wrinkle to the story now. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 61 combined points. But you you played with Vinny Johnson. Yep. And then you played with Terry Teagle during your time here. How about that? Yeah. Those two. Who, by the way, Terry is going into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. October the 11th. Yes. I'll be there. Yes. A bunch of our teammates are going to come down as well, so that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, unbelievable players. Good guys. Uh, 
but again, and I was telling Jerry earlier in the week, that was my first introduction to how real basketball was played. I mean, that was the real deal. And I had not been around that. I had not played that way in high school. We had really good teams, but a very structured, very organized, very patient. And, you know, all of a sudden, razzle-dazzle, <laughs> uh, Vinny, and then Terry, who was just athletically a freak. Yeah. And I just had never seen anything like it. They were fun to play with. They were good guys. They were really, really good teammates. But that was my first introduction to big-time basketball. Did you and Vinny come in the same year? We did. Okay. Yep. So you came in, and then Terry was a couple of years later. Yes. And just both prolific scores, but different ways to, and make the point, without the three-point line. Yeah. Think how many points those two would have scored without the three, with a three-point line. Oh, yeah. Terry Teagle would have broken the, what was Southwest Conference scoring record he had. He broke while he was here. And he would have done that in half the time. Yeah. Uh, Vinny a little different, because Vinny, I mean, I could – I could beat Vinny and Horse <laughs> if we were shooting out, you know, from yeah. 15 to 20 feet out. But his thing was he wanted contact. He wanted to bang you around. You know, you think of of defensive guys banging on the offensive guy. He was an offensive guy that was banging on the defense. That's that's the way he played. The more contact, the better. And when he got the ball in the lane, uh, it didn't matter how many people you put on it. He was going to score. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And I just stood out there in the corner saying, if any of you have any trouble, just this is where I'll be. I'll be standing <laughs> here. Me. Yeah, that's right. There was a lot of clear out. Clear out one side of, for Vinny, wasn't oh, there? It was our best play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we ran it very effectively. But you were a big part of the success of those teams. And you guys had some successful years. And you like to make the point, Jim Haller was uh, Southwest Conference Coach of the Year in there. He was. My senior year, we, we went undefeated in the Heart of Texas Coliseum. We, I think we were picked to finish seventh or mm, something. We yeah. finished second. And, um, yeah, Jim was the Southwest Conference Coach of the Year. So it was a really good year. Uh, you know, back in those days, the NCAA tournament was 32 teams. And so you would have that next tier of really, really good teams. I say next tier, just teams that didn't get into the 32-team tournament. Uh, I guess it was my freshman, sophomore year, Texas went – was a – Southwest Conference co-champ, didn't get to the NCAA tournament, goes to the NIT and just mows people down and wins the NIT championship. So it was a great league, really good league. Yeah, very fun. Pat Nunley is with us, electee to the Baylor Athletics Hall of Fame. The induction banquet comes up November 3rd. Can't wait. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and, And then you work with Frank, and Frank retires and you talk about a schmuck coming in. <laughs> you keep me on to work with you. And, and lo and behold, we're sitting in Indianapolis in 2021. We're outside the bubble. We were outside the bubble. But we had a front row seat to history as Scott Drew and the Bears win the national championship. Wasn't that great? Oh, I'll never, ever forget it. Yeah. I mean, talk about chills. I get chills thinking about it. I know. Uh, I heard the other day the, um, oh, the song. That they play one shining moment. One shining moment. How do I, I heard that the other day, mm-hmm. and it teared me up. Yeah, it, it really did. You know, John. One thing I've been thinking about a lot from you know when I get the call from Walter to now mm-hmm. November the third is you and I have had an up close and personal look, a behind the scenes look at the greatest turnaround in college basketball history. We just have That's right by no any question. account, no question, and. So I'm thinking about that, and then 
and then this Hall of Fame comes, and I'm thinking, God, I mean, that was a that was plenty. Yeah. And and this just is uh, I can't even really describe that journey was so memorable and unique. Nobody else has done that. And for us to have been able to be there every step of the way uh, is a blessing in and of itself. And this is just on top of that, sort of, a, you know, can it get any better than this? <laughs> right. That's yeah. right. Right. What about uh, working with Coach Drew and his staff? I mean, there's just nobody better. And the way he includes us, you and I, on, on you know, on everything, really. Uh, gosh, what an experience, great experience that's been. It has been. And you and I have learned a lot from him and from that staff, not mm-hmm. just Scott, mm-hmm. but culturally, how they, how they treat people. And I mean everybody. And so we talk a lot, you and I, about going into game day Chapel Scout Eat. Yeah. And we're just in the back kind of minding our own business. And I don't think the coaching staff realizes how much you and I get out of those. That We just do. I hope they do. I hope they do because it is so meaningful for us. And that's, again, you, what is, you, you're known for the company that you keep. Yeah. For you and I to have been able to be that close and, and really a part of that environment for all these years, uh, I, I think I am. I know I am better for it. Yeah. Yeah. No question. No question. Yeah. No, that is said very well. So, w- with your, uh, w- think to no- November third, your acceptance speech. What does Walter tell you? Three to five minutes. That's what I'm told. Come on, three to five minutes. Uh, I mean, we're talking about forty six years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell you this: having emceed most of those, well, the last few years, emceed those, nobody keeps it to three to five minutes. Okay, so. Take a little bit of latitude there, okay? That's really good to hear. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a, a time freak. Yeah. I mean, I get jicky about I know, time. I know. Somebody says three to five, I'm thinking three to five. Right. So if they decide, I go to six or seven or eight or nine, and if they decide to hook me, I'm going to say, wait a minute, J-Mo said that's, I've got a little good. bit of leeway. Well, I'll be sitting, I think, right beside the podium, and I'm the one with the hook, so you're up. Okay. Oh, I feel better. You're fine. Oh, I feel so much better because I'm struggling with that. Yeah, I, I knew you would be. One more. Let me go back to Frank one more time. Uh, you were doing color with him, but then had to uh, fill in doing play-by-play, which you do now admirably. Mm. You do No, you do very good. But at that point, which was early on, he asked you to do play-by-play. And uh, so you just kind of went to the source and said, tell me what I need to know. Yeah, that was another call out of the blue. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was the team's going to Anchorage, Alaska to play in the top of the world classic. And uh, lo and behold, nobody can go except you. Yeah. So you're going up. No, I didn't go. I, uh, oh, yeah, nobody went. No, it was during football. There was a conflict That's with right. football. That's what it was because it was in November. Yeah. And I think David Posky was the engineer. Dee Posky. So Dee Posky and I yep. up on a plane and go, I was like, we're going to Russia. <laughs> and, but I'm, I'm pretty spooked because I've never done it. And again, I'm listening to the master yeah. do play by play for all these games. And all of a sudden he's handing me the baton. And so I said, Frank, I need some advice. Like, tell me, how do I feel dead air, all that? And he handed me, I looked at it the other day when I was talking to Jerry, a list of 28 things to just think about and that could provide a talking point during the broadcast as you're coming back from a break or going to a break or there's a, you know, an injured player or something and you've just got to fill. And it is a masterpiece. It's golden. 
it, it, it ought to be in the Smithsonian. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And it's funny t- because it's dated, too. Yeah. Um, one of the things he said was, make sure the audience knows where the, whether the floor is tartan or wood. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Isn't that great? Yeah. And, and the one that, that I'll always remember <laughs> is he said, I looked at it the other day, never criticize the officials. Yeah. It serves and it is unprofessional. Wow. Now, is that Frank Fowler? That's Fallon? Frank to a T. That's right Frank Fowler. Yeah. Yep. That is great. And you still have that in his handwriting. Yep. In his handwriting that I he do. wrote out for you. I do. That is golden there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you are so deserving of this. I could not be happier for anybody, anybody to be selected to the Athletic Hall of Fame. The banquet's going to be fun. It will be. But uh, we'll just, we're just going to celebrate uh, up until the banquet and then we'll just continue after that too. So yeah, congratulations not, to you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, John, it's, it's, this is about us. It is. I mean, I, I think about the people all the time and, and it is a large list of people that have gone into making everything that we do happen. And so it is a, we thing, not a me thing. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank Thanks you. for being here. Thank you. My all right. Pleasure. Pat Nunley. Happy New Year from the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas, the flagship station for Baylor Athletics. Look who's coming through Waco today. It is uh, a member of the world champion Texas Rangers and a Baylor great. Cody Bradford is here. Really nice to see you. I texted you after the World Series, said congratulations. Nice to be able to tell you that in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, how uh, How has this been for you? Uh, John, it's been a dream come true, and uh, I think it's it's changed my life and my wife's life a little bit um, with, with some of the opportunities we've gotten from this in, uh, in a really good way, and we just hope that we can be good stewards of it and, uh, and glorify God in everything we do. Oh, man, that's great to hear. So the, the season as a whole, I mean, you go back to your midseason call-up May, I think. Uh, going back to that, uh, what was that like to get called up to the Rangers? It was a dream come true. I, I honestly – you know, didn't have expectations before the season of, of this year, you know, possibly being the year I could get a shot. And uh, I think the um, the start in AAA, you know, helped me get that opportunity and, and was really grateful for the spot start against the Braves to, to mm-hmm. help give everybody else in the rotation a, a day off. And then, you know, a couple other spot starts here and there, I guess, you know, the, the coaches, Bochi and uh, Maddox, gained some confidence in my abilities and then, you know, found a place for me in the bullpen um, when it came playoff time and crunch time. So, yeah. You know, one thing I thought at the time was they they really think a lot of you. They value you to give you that start against the Braves, (laughs) you know, to put you in that situation, knowing, you know, whatever happens, you'll be able to handle it. Yeah. uh, Yeah, no doubt. I think the Braves at the time had had the best OPS against Uh left-handed pitching in the league and and their offense this year is going to go down is one of the best offenses in history. And, uh, you know, it's it was a really tough debut. I wouldn't say it was easy. Yeah. Um, definitely memorable and, and, and a learning experience. But there's no better way to start off with a team like that because then everything else seems to be a lot easier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> start, with a, start with the toughest one. Yeah. So. yeah. Anything after that uh, wouldn't be as tough as the Braves, I would yeah. think. Right. But you, you handled it with such poise and class, and you seem so, you know, seem so in control out there. Uh, was, that, was that factual, or what was going on inside? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think there's nerves with everybody, but right. I, I think the amount of preparation that, um, you know, some of the my coaches, you know, along my whole baseball journey from from high school to to college to the pros have helped me prepare really well, and I, I found a routine last year in Double A that that helped me prepare and make a scouting report and just go out every outing, whether it was to start or even in the playoffs this year. You know, I had a scouting report on all the guys, and I'm able to just go out there and throw everything with conviction mm-hmm. and and you know at the end of the day for me it's more about executing than stuff and so I can't control what happens after the ball leaves my hand right. I can just control what happens before and I think understanding that um and just trusting in the abilities God's given me mm-hmm. you know goes a long ways for poise yeah really cool to see how how um, mature you looked how poised you looked out there through really some ups and downs uh for you and for the whole bullpen i mean the the bullpen you know this year for the rangers was pretty much a roller coaster wasn't it yeah i think at times it was uh the analogy was bochi was flipping a coin or <laughs> shaking an eight ball and and not quite sure who he wanted to come out of there but uh-huh. um i mean what a Master at his craft, you know, leading the helm, and and even Mike Maddox did such a good job at feeling the situations out and knowing where each one of us could come in in the playoffs and and have the most success. And um, I think, yeah, you're right. It, it was an up and down battle roller coaster this year um, for me personally and for some of the other guys. But it's so special when a team gets hot um, in the playoffs and makes a run like that. And so it's something that that will be memorable. Yeah. Last day of the regular season, you got to win, and you're going to be at home. You don't win that game, a one nothing loss. You know you're going to have to go on the road, but you guys said, all right, here's our path. Uh, let's go do it. And, man, you were such a good road team in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think that just shows you how dangerous a team can be when they get hot. Yeah. And I think the last season, or the last series of the game, uh, season like you just said against Seattle, we had to go in that weekend and, and win two games. We won one. You know, our travels, Houston ended up winning the division by yeah. tying our exact same record. Right. And that was a real punch in the gut to a lot of us. And I think that lit a fire under us. And as soon as we got to Tampa Bay, we were ready to hit the field running. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we just stayed hot. Yeah. Really impressive. And you were a key part once you got to postseason, got to the playoffs. You got that win over Baltimore in uh, game two of that series. Uh, what, what did you learn about postseason baseball, you know, compared to what you'd experienced in the regular season? I think um, who said it best was Max Scherzer. He kind of sat me and some of the other younger guys down uh, in Tampa Bay at, at team dinner before our first game. And uh, he said, guys, postseason baseball is a different beast, and I want you guys to enjoy it, but at the same time learn how to control your emotions. And if you're a high-intensity, high-adrenaline guy that feeds off that, then let the postseason and let the emotions of the stadium and the crowd naturally give you that adrenaline he said if you're a more mellow guy you need to understand that you're not going to be as mellow in in that environment he's like you need to be a step below that like even i don't know what a step below mellow would be but Mm -hmm. even be more stoic more calm because your your body's going to be moving faster and everything's going to be moving and so for me i'm not an adrenaline guy i'm not a big yell guy coming out in in baltimore with i think it was forty-eight thousand people there i mean baltimore did a great job packing the stadium out it was – I was kind of thinking what Max said, and, and it's like, gosh, i got to be a step below what I, I normally am. And sure enough, you know, the first few hitters were a little shaky, and then after that I got in a groove. Yeah. So. 
Wow. Great advice from a guy that's been there and, uh, I mean, really shows a veteran presence, doesn't it, on that staff? Yeah, shows the leadership of some of the older guys for sure. Yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, you win over Baltimore. You win over Tampa Bay first, Baltimore, and then Houston, and you get that series, which was huge, get to the World Series. And you were there, uh, you know, you were right there the whole time. I think uh, the one win, a 1.17 ERA in five appearances in postseason. I mean, every time they called your number, you responded. Yeah, I, I think um, – Mike did a good job finding situations where I could come in and, and be successful and not have to face too many guys uh, too many times. And uh, I think the Astros series, I had to come in twice and face Jordan, which was no easy task. But um, it was it was a lot of fun and, and kudos to the coaching staff. And I'm just thankful and grateful for their ability to have confidence in me and, and, and give me confidence in those situations. Cool. Yeah. That was the parade, the the victory parade. That looked wild. Yeah, the parade was awesome. I think they were expecting 200,000 people, and I, I, I heard the number that almost 700,000 wow. showed up. And so <laughs> it was a really fun time. Uh, you know, everybody involved with that did a good job at involving our families, and my parents got to be a part of it. My sister, my wife got to be a part of it, which was really cool. And and uh, not a huge people person, so it was a little overwhelming for me at times. But, uh, I mean, what a – Oh, what a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and for you, a guy that grew up in Alito and a Rangers fan, I'm guessing, your whole life. And we saw the Little League picture pictures of you in a Rangers uniform. For this to come true as a Texas Ranger, I mean, it's a storybook uh, storybook ending. Yeah, it comes full circle. I think it just shows you what, um, what a little bit of trust and, and the ability God's given each and every one of us. And even if, uh, you know, you don't have the most talent, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, it shows you how far you can go if, if you put your mind to something and you work really hard at it. Yeah. Hope you felt uh, the support from here, from Baylor, from yeah, Waco, because you were here, Maddie was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, a bunch of people were pulling for the Rangers because of you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not a big social media guy, but my, <laughs> my parents and some friends and family definitely did share, um, you know, some of the videos that, that the team here was recording and uh i know after the world series there was a billboard somewhere in waco that had a picture on there so that was really cool and really special and i mean waco is so near and dear to my wife and i's heart like that's why we decide to come back down here each off season and and stay it's not because we have family or anything it's just because we like we love Baylor. Um, we love the people in Waco, and we love the hospitality. Man, it's great. Really happy for you. Congratulations. Couldn't happen to a better guy, and uh, look forward to what's ahead. Yeah, thanks so much, John. Happy New Year from the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas, the flagship station for Baylor Athletics. Talk to the guy who really has his finger on the pulse of things. I mean, this is the guy that can answer our questions. We welcome in the longtime voice of the Arizona Wildcats. Brian Jeffries joins us. And, Brian, we appreciate your time today. Hey, uh, John Aaron, great to be with you. Uh, it's been an exciting few days, certainly, in uh, Arizona and I think around the, the schools that will be joining the Big 12 next year. So we're. Uh, I know we've got a long ways to go before that actually happens and there's a lot of work to do but like i said i think a lot of excitement and after 13 months of waiting i think everybody is uh, thrilled to know what direction the wildcats are headed in yeah absolutely tell tell us this and you will have a better handle on this than any of us here what what is the uh what's the favorable rating you know the uh the what would be the percentage of folks who are really excited about this and maybe others who you know wish you'd gone a different direction or maybe wish 
the Pac-12 was still alive, and I'd understand that, you know, if people did feel that way. Well, I would say at this point, particularly with what has happened here over the last year, the waiting, the speculation, not knowing, uh, you know, the, the loss of the L.A. schools. And I, I, I can't tell you exactly what every Arizona fan, uh, but I've had very few tell me and very few that I have seen or heard from uh, that is not excited about going to the Big 12. I, I think the, the preference would have been, hey, let's keep the Pac-12 together. It's a 108-year-old conference. There's great traditions there. Uh, but I think everyone also realized when USC and UCLA left that it wasn't going to be the same and that uh, if there was not going to be assurances that the conference was going to be uh, whole, and I say that in terms of their, their financial dealings and also whatever other schools they might add, uh, you know, none could add up to what the two L.A. schools had brought. So I think, you know, I'd say 90% of the Arizona fans are excited. They're thrilled that the Big 12 is going to be their landing spot. It's an established, it's a premier conference. Uh, they know what they're getting as opposed to waiting and seeing what the Pac-12 might have become. And I understand that. Uh, you know, we went through a, not exactly the same, but a similar deal when the Southwest Conference uh, disbanded. That's been 27 years ago. But, you know, we, Baylor, were headed to the Big 12 and excited about that. Uh, I, I can understand why there'd be some nostalgia, you know, at the, at the loss of the Pac-12, the uh, Conference of Champions, you know, after all that history. Well, and that's it. And that was, that was really hard. And I, I think it's still going to be something that'll take a while for a lot of folks to accept. And I'm included in that. I mean, I've been around the conference since I was a little kid. I was, I was born into the PAC eight and then, you know, watched the grow to the PAC 10 when Arizona and ASU uh, came on board. And then the PAC 12 with Utah and Colorado and, you know, just the history and, and everywhere that I've had a chance to see over the last 30 some years, it's, uh, it's something we're never going to forget. But at the same time, like, like I said, John, with the way things that were sitting and the unknowing that was ahead, uh, I'm, you know, I'm actually going the other direction. I'm glad to see something new now. I'm just glad that something is established. Uh, and in particular, and of course, you know, my allegiance are to the University of Arizona, and that's where I was hoping that uh, they would be able to, you know, to remain in a a valid conference, which they will be. Uh, so I'm excited about it. I, I think it's a great opportunity for new rivalries and new stories to tell. And I think that's what the Arizona fans are feeling too. They knew that the, the Pac-12 wouldn't be the same ever again. So why not um, you know, go to something bigger and better? Pretty amazing, wasn't it, uh, last Friday as things were you know, coming, uh, may, being made public, uh, how fast things happened. Wasn't that wild? Oh, it was crazy. And I mean, with all the, the, the speculation that had gone on over the last year plus and have it to come down to basically just a few hours. And I think what what President Robbins uh, echoed was true. And that is up until really Friday morning, uh, there was a thought that the, the remaining schools, the nine remaining schools, uh, were going to try and stay together and grow from there. Uh, but the numbers didn't add up financially in terms of what the, the Pac-12 was being offered. And then when Washington and Oregon, uh, you know, announced on Friday morning that they were going to the Big Ten, I don't think there was any other decision that that Dr. Robbins could make other than to to move on to the Big 12. And, you know, he had had conversations with them for quite some time. They knew that the offer was there if needed and uh, made a very quick decision and one that he felt very confident in. And uh, Dave Hickey the same way. I think everybody involved with Arizona knew that, uh, he was making the right decision because, like I said, John, they had to make the decision that was best for the U of A, and 
no uh, no offense to the other schools left in the conference, but you got to look out for yourself once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. In this case, you absolutely have to look out for yourself. What uh, what's this year going to be like for you guys in the Pac-12? Uh, this this going to be an interesting season, isn't it? Well, it is. Uh, you know, just for the reason. I mean, we already know knew that we were going in uh, playing USC and UCLA for the last time right. ever, probably in football and. Uh, who knows what the basketball series or the other sports might uh, take on from there. So that was enough. But now knowing that the, the conference essentially is going to be dissolved once it's over, I think, yeah, there's going to be nostalgia and, and, and that sort of thing. But at the same time, the competition will go on. I don't think from the student athlete or the coach's point of view, anything's going to change. You're trying to win a championship in every sport and maybe winning the last one in the mm. Pac-12 is going to be very special, maybe even more special. And yeah. that's uh, probably the best way to look at it. Brian, help us understand uh, the relationship, the rivalry, I guess, between Arizona and Arizona State. Uh, were these schools connected? Like if one left, the other was leaving? Were they separate in their decision? What can you tell us about that? Well, you know, that's great speculation because, uh, you know, from what I understand for weeks leading up to this, that Arizona was on its own at that point. And to go back to what I just mentioned, that Dr. Robbins was taking care of his school first. Uh, he and Michael Crow, the president at ASU, uh, are, are, I'll call them very good business friends. They get along very well. Uh, but Michael Crow was a big supporter of Larry Scott, the former commissioner of the Pac-12, I think he desperately wanted to keep the conference together. Uh, from what I understand, he was reluctant uh, to, to make the choice. But once Washington and Oregon decided to leave, I think once he knew that Arizona was on the way, and I'll say the same thing about Utah, that they knew that uh, their survival was dependent on getting back into an established conference. So the, the rivalry is intense. It's very intense, like a lot of rivalries are around the country. Uh, and I'm glad that it's going to continue because you just hate to see something like that break up. So, um, you know, the Arizona fans could probably care less if ASU is in the Big 12, but uh, so be it, and, and we'll go on from there. That's funny. <laughs> That's good. Brian Jeffries, our guest, longtime voice of the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, you know, a lot of these decisions are being made, uh, you know, football first, or, or football sort of drives these decisions. But uh, and you guys at Arizona, I know you've got a great history in basketball. And look what Arizona will bring basketball-wise to our league, which is already really good basketball-wise. What do you think about that upcoming competition? Oh, I think that's tremendous. I mean, the Big 12 certainly, if not the top basketball conference in the country, you could make an argument it certainly is. And getting to play Baylor and, and Kansas, et cetera, uh, down the road here, I mean, that's, that is huge because – you know, the Pac-12 has, I think, a good basketball conference, but outside of Arizona and UCLA, uh, it's, it takes a pretty significant drop-off, not only competitively, but all you have to do is take a look at the fan support that some of the schools around the Pac-12 have received over the years, and it's disappointing. Hmm. And so getting into a conference where, where basketball is king, where the arenas are full every night, uh, you and I, John, we love that stuff, right? Because, sure. you know, that's what we want to be – in that atmosphere, uh, game in and game out. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, very cool. Well, it's great to visit with you. And, uh, you know, I, I would say congratulations. I mean, that's not right. I, I feel bad about the Pac-12, you know, ending this way or whatever might happen with them. Maybe they can keep things together. 
But I, I think I'm you and I are alike in that we're a little nostalgic. I, I hate to see the Pac-12 go away, but glad we'll be seeing each other and playing each other more often in the years to come. And, and that's the great thing about it. Uh, for Arizona to land in a great conference like the Big 12 and enjoying those new rivalries now. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. All right, man. Hey, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. All right, John. Anytime. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Brian Jeffries, longtime voice of the Arizona Wildcats.